Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal is not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today, save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, take control of your family's future with an estate plan bundle at LegalZoom.com. Now, whether it's a will or a living trust, you work with an independent attorney now available in 48 states on a plan that works best for you. And since LegalZoom is not a law firm, well, you're not going to get charged by the hour. So get an estate plan bundle at LegalZoom.com today. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. Let me make a final point. For a while now, the main contribution of some of my friends on the other side of the aisle have made in the fight against ISIL is to criticize this administration and me for not using the phrase radical Islam. That's the key, they tell us. We can't beat ISIL unless we call them radical Islamists. What exactly would using this label accomplish? What exactly would it change? Would it make ISIL less committed to trying to kill Americans? Would it bring in more allies? Is there a military strategy that is served by this? The answer is none of the above. Calling a threat by a different name does not make it go away. This is a political distraction. Since before I was president, I've been clear about how extremist groups have perverted Islam to justify terrorism. As president, I have repeatedly called on our Muslim friends and allies at home and around the world to work with us to reject this twisted interpretation of one of the world's great religions. There's not been a moment in my seven and a half years as president where we have not been able to pursue a strategy because we didn't use the label radical Islam. Not once has an advisor of mine said, man, if we really use that phrase, we're going to turn this whole thing around. Not once. But we are now seeing how dangerous this kind of mindset and this kind of thinking can be. We're starting to see where this kind of rhetoric 
and loose talk and sloppiness about who exactly we're fighting, where this can lead us. We now have proposals from the presumptive Republican nominee for President of the United States to bar all Muslims from emigrating to America. We hear language that singles out immigrants and suggests entire religious communities are complicit in violence. Where does this stop? The Orlando killer, one of the San Bernardino killers, the Fort Hood killer, they were all U.S. citizens. Are we going to start treating all Muslim Americans differently? Are we going to start subjecting them to special surveillance? Are we going to start discriminating against them because of their faith? We've heard these suggestions during the course of this campaign. Do Republican officials actually agree with this? Because that's not the America we want. It doesn't reflect our democratic ideals. It won't make us more safe. It will make us less safe. Fueling ISIL's notion that the West hates Muslims, making young Muslims in this country and around the world feel like no matter what they do, they're going to be under suspicion and under attack. It makes Muslim Americans feel like their government is betraying them. It betrays the very values America stands for. Uh, welcome. Glad you're with us. Uh, this, I, I'm really going to have to contain my anger today at this speech that the president gave. By the way, wouldn't it be nice if Obama expressed even a fraction of the outrage, disgust, the contempt at militant Islam as he does against conservative critics of his foreign policy or the passion with which he talks about the terrible deeds done in the name of Christ and the multiple times misinterpreting what the Crusades were about that was about Muslim aggression aggression against Christians and Christians fighting to take their own land back. But this president doesn't get that either. Now today, I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry, Obama now accusing Trump of damaging national security. Now take it. This is a man who gave the number one state sponsor of terror, the Iranians, people responsible for proxy wars against Israel and others and killing Americans in Iraq and Afghanistan, giving them $150 billion to build up their nuclear arsenal and they can buy planes from, you know, different companies and, and create a, a system, a missile defense system so Israel can't penetrate and take out their nuclear sites. But Donald Trump is damaging national security because Donald Trump is the one person that is actually listening to Obama's own national security experts. James Clapper, National Director of Intelligence. James Comey, the FBI Director. Michael Steinbeck, the Assistant FBI Director. Mike McCall, the Chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. General John Allen, Obama's former special envoy to defeat ISIS. What have they all told us? That ISIS will infiltrate the refugee population... And that means he wants to bring refugees into this country. Our intelligence officials are telling us, and ISIS is telling us, that they will infiltrate that population just like they did in Belgium, just like they did in France. And that means he's willing to gamble with your life and the life of every other American so he can advance his his agenda of peace and love. Kissing the asses of radical Islamists 
and not having the courage to identify an enemy. Can you imagine if we did that in World War II against the Nazis or World War II against Imperial Japan or if Ronald Reagan didn't have the courage and and the strength to identify the Soviet Union or the former Soviet Union as an evil empire, what the impact of that would be? It's unbelievable to me what this president is, you know, the depth and the lengths that he will go to defend Islam, attack Christianity. And when has this man ever spoken out about how Muslim countries, one after the other, his, his silence has been deafening on their persecution of women, their persecution of gays and lesbians, their persecution of Christians, their persecution of Jewish people. It's unbelievable. Saudi Arabia gives $25 million to the Clinton Foundation. The government of Brunei gives $5 million to the Clinton Foundation. Qatar gives $5 million to the Clinton Foundation. Does it surprise you that every one of those countries, that literally they allow the execution of people that are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual? You know, some gays and lesbians, they're, they're angry that I don't support changing the definition of marriage. How about we argue that and start speaking out against the, the indiscriminate murder of gays and lesbians? We've seen images of them thrown off of roofs and being stoned to death. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the government of Brunei, Qatar, Oman, for example, another country, a Clinton Foundation country, they don't ban female mutilation. Or the UAE that doesn't address spousal rape, men that rape their wives. Why don't we talk about, when has this president ever spoken up and talked about life under Sharia, which is the foundation, it's Islamic law, it is applied to the, in other words, it's a theocracy under Islam, an Islamic country, it is their constitution, if you will, it's called Sharia, and in Saudi Arabia, Women are told by men how they can dress. Women are told they cannot drive. Women are told whether they can go to work and school under a lot of countries under practicing Sharia. Women are told whether they can even leave the house. In Saudi Arabia, they can't leave the house without a male relative. That's oppression of women. Women that are raped need four male eyewitnesses. Hillary Clinton took money from all of these countries. And up until yesterday, never once ever that I could find uttered any criticisms of any of these countries that practice Sharia law, never mind acknowledging a simple, basic, fundamental truth, which is that radical Islamists have declared war on the free world. We've seen it in Belgium. We've seen it in France. We've seen it in Boston. We've seen it in San Bernardino. We've seen it at Fort Hood. We've seen it in Chattanooga. Now we've seen it in Orlando. When has Obama, when has Hillary ever spoken out about Muslim countries under Sharia persecuting women, persecuting gays, persecuting lesbians, persecuting Christians, persecuting Jews? And discrimination is institutionalized in these countries. And Hillary's even worse. She takes their money and they bought her silence. And yet she claims to be the great champion of women's rights and the great champion of gay and lesbian rights. The first people that are quick to say Mitt Romney is declaring a war on women 
he has their resumes and wants to hire them. That's how insane this has now gotten. I want to focus more on what the president said today. And I want to make several points about this. USA Today reports that Obama sharply rebuked critics who said he should condemn terrorists as radical Islamists. Can somebody ever point out a single time where this president had the courage to identify this enemy that has declared war on us, that is killing Americans, killing people in Europe? When has he ever rightly identified them? He doesn't have the courage. Anyway, saying calling the Islamic State by another name, he said the Islamic State is not Islamic. Six months ago, Hillary Clinton would said she wouldn't say radical Islam. Donald Trump shamed her into saying it. Well, half saying it yesterday. She didn't quite say it yesterday. She half said it yesterday. And because now we've been highlighting all the money she's taken from all these countries that oppress women and gays and lesbians and Christians and Jews, well, now all of a sudden she's decided it's appropriate to begin a slight minor criticism of them. Why? Only because it's politically expedient. You know, he said, well, what exactly would using the label radical Islamist accomplish? What would it change? Would it make ISIS less committed to killing Americans? Would it bring in more allies? Is there a military strategy? The answer, he says, is none of the above. Now, in these remarks, after a meeting with the National Security Council today, he repeated his contention that identifying the Syrian-based terror group as Islamic will only serve as a propaganda tool. Well, he has been kissing the ass of radicals. He's been giving radicals in Iran the money to continue to spin their centrifuges without inspections anytime, anywhere, as he promised. Hillary Clinton was a part of that deal. He ruined the gains that our brave men and women made in Iraq when he pulled out early and politicized the war. I mean, Ramadi, Fallujah, Tikrit, Mosul, all countries, American men fought, bled, died for, left their legs on the battlefield for, and he gives it to ISIS because he wanted to politicize the war? Or look at the disaster of of Libya, the disaster of Benghazi, the lies of Benghazi, and we can't say radical Islamic terrorism? Seriously? He sits back and he claims the mantle of women's rights, gay rights, and yet he never speaks out about life in Muslim countries under Sharia law and how oppressive it is. Go try and build a a temple or a church in Saudi Arabia or any of these other Muslim countries. Good luck with that. Calling a threat by a different name doesn't make it go away. All right, so his claim that there's no magic phrase to radical Islam and and it's a talking point, it's not a strategy. Now, the last person on earth who is in a position of mocking anyone when it comes to having a strategy is Obama. He's the guy that said a year and a half ago they're the JV team. He's the guy hours before the Paris attack that said, oh, ISIS is contained. It's on his watch that ISIS took root. It's on his watch they established a caliphate right in the heart of the Middle East. It's in his watch that that ISIS took over large parts of Syria and Iraq. It's Obama who has been weak, passive, disengaged by the threat that is known as radical Islam and specifically ISIS. And until he gets his head out of his ass, this president, and until he shows he's something more than a rank, incompetent amateur 
on foreign policy, he needs to keep his mouth shut. As for the claim that Islamic radicalism is a talking point, those are the words of a fool. If you believe such a thing, it's not a talking point. It is a term that states a fundamental truth, a reality that has now got to be recognized if we're ever going to prevent what happened on Saturday night from ever happening again. The term has meaning. It's clarifying. It shows that you understand. Yeah, okay, not all Muslims. I agree. But there are plenty of radical Muslims, and there are plenty of people, Muslims themselves, oppressed under Sharia. Muslims themselves being killed by ISIS. But these these militants are violent. You know, and there is a significant strand within Islam that is. And you have to understand that if you if you understand the ideology, that's the only way you can succeed. And he said, I know I know he went to that Muslim school in Jakarta and talked about the prayer to, you know, the most beautiful sight on earth is the call to prayer at sunset. But it is certainly perverted his view on what truth and reality is. You need to take control of your family and assets. Now, it sounds like common sense, but too many people procrastinate instead of getting an estate plan before it's too late. Now, with LegalZoom.com, there's no reason to put it off any longer. Now, you don't have to figure out on your own whether you need a will or a living trust and what's best for you. Instead, you work with an independent attorney, now available in 48 states. Now, they'll walk you through your options and recommend an estate plan that offers the best solution to fit your needs. And since LegalZoom is not a law firm, well, you can count on efficiency and value. Everything is on your schedule, your terms, plus you know what your estate plan bundle costs up front instead of worrying about high hourly rates. Now, that's how LegalZoom has become the leader in helping families with their legal needs. You get the legal help, and you walk away feeling great about it. So don't leave the most important decisions that you can make in the hands of other people. Take control of your family's future with an estate plan bundle at LegalZoom.com today. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. They know full well who the enemy is. So do the intelligence and law enforcement officers who spend countless hours disrupting plots and protecting all Americans, including politicians who tweet and appear on cable news shows. They know who the nature of the enemy is. So there's no magic to the phrase radical Islam. It's a political talking point. It's not a strategy. And the reason I am careful about how I describe this threat has nothing to do with political correctness and everything to do with actually defeating extremism. Groups like ISIL and Al-Qaeda want to make this war a war between Islam and America or between Islam and the West. They want to claim that they are the true leaders of over a billion Muslims around the world who reject their crazy notions. They want us to validate them by implying that they speak for those billion-plus people, that they speak for Islam. That's their propaganda. That's how they recruit. And if we fall into the trap of painting all Muslims with a broad brush and and imply that we are at war with an entire religion, then we are doing the terrorist work for them. 
And, of course, the president. When is this president ever going to speak out about the persecution of women, gays, lesbians, Christians and Jews in Muslim countries like Saudi Arabia and the government of Brunei and Qatar and Oman and the UAE and Kuwait and others? You know, the president's claiming Islamic radicalism, using that term as a talking point. What a fool. You have to be a fool if you believe that. It's not a talking point, President Obama. It's a term that states a fundamental truth and reality that must be recognized if we're going to wage a war and win a war that has been declared against us. The 9-11 Commission report, they're at war with us. We were not at war with them. And the term has meaning. The term is clarifying. The term shows that one understands that while not all Muslims are militant, many Muslims are victim of radical Islam, too. Not all Muslims are violent, but there is a significant strand within Islam that is, as practiced under Sharia in countries that you never speak out about, ever. And Hillary takes millions of dollars from, which makes you both phony hypocrites to the maximum degree. You have to understand it. You have to understand the ideology if you're going to win the broader war. You know, let me give you an example. You know, let's say it's like Obama during World War II mocking people who would use the term Nazi or Nazism or National Socialism in the context of Hitler and Germany under Hitler. You know, if Obama's logic today was applied then, he would say using the term Nazism is a stupid talking point. And it's not a strategy. It's merely alienating the German people and the allies of Germany, and it's insulting and degrading all Germans. To which the response would have been, no, it's not. It's a term that clarifies the nature of the enemy that is at war with the world, at war with us, at war with Europe at war against its own people. It, it, it clarifies the nature of the struggle. It describes a virulent and malevolent ideology, and you have to understand what is driving and informing the ideology if you have any desi- desire at all to defeat it. It's common sense. But this president, Hillary Clinton, will never understand this. He wouldn't get the point referring to Nazi Germany rather than just Germany, just like he doesn't get the term of the use of radical Islam. He has to know on some deep level this is not a talking point. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so committed to not using it and calling it man-caused disasters and overseas contingencies and Fort Hood is workplace violence. The guy's screaming, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, shooting away and killing people. But that's not radical Islam in Obama's twisted mind. It's ridiculous. You know, so Obama won't use the term radical Islam. Hillary was halfway shamed into it yesterday because what you're dealing with here are committed left-wing multiculturalists, and they feel doing so is an insult to Islam. I know he went to a Muslim school as a kid, I know he said the most beautiful sight in the world is the call to Muslim prayer at sunset in a perfect first-rate accent, according to the New York Times and Nicholas Kristof. But you know what? I got to tell you, even General al-Sisi of Egypt, 
he has more courage in calling out radical Islamists than Obama does. When Obama says that the label, all it'll accomplish is, you know, uh, pissing people off, the label would show an understanding of the enemy that we're facing, what motivates them, what needs to be done to f- defeat them. It would show you're not letting your liberal, radical, multicultural sympathies, your political correctness to get in the way of your role, which is to protect the American people because you're supposed to be the commander in chief. That is your job. It would show you have your feet firmly planted in reality, not in this fantasy world that you're living in, that you grew up under, you know, with Frank Marshall Davis and Reverend Wright and Flager and Ayers and Acorn and Alinsky. At this stage, in the waning days of his presidency, it doesn't matter because the words would have no meaning from him. And over the course of his presidency, his words, his actions, his inaction, he's not engaged. He has no desire. He he created an existential threat as it relates to Iran. He created a clear and present danger now for the entire world that the number one state sponsor of terror may in fact now have nuclear weapons and also the missiles to get them there, and missile defense with Russia to protect them from protect us from ever taking out those facilities. He's responsible for Ramadi and Mosul and Fallujah and Tikrit. He's responsible for Libya. He's responsible for Benghazi. He's responsible for the Russian reset. He's responsible for the red line in the sand in, in Syria. I mean, he's shown in his action and inaction— He does not understand the nature of this threat. The rise of ISIS happened because of him on his watch, just like we doubled the debt under his watch, just like millions of more Americans are out of the labor force on his watch, just like millions more in poverty on his watch, just like millions more on food stamps on his watch. That's his record. That's his legacy. He's done nothing to stop ISIS. His withdrawal from Iraq was a disaster. His deal with Iran was a disaster. His his actions in Libya destabilized things. And a guy that's so obsessed with guns and, well, assault weapons, why did he give the former Muslim Brotherhood president of Egypt tanks, F-16s, and a billion and a half U.S. dollars? A guy that referred to the Israelis as descendants of apes and pigs. Really? You're upset about people having a firearm and you give a radical anti-Semitic terrorist from the Muslim Brotherhood those weapons? Unbelievable to me. I want to make some points about now the wife of this uh, terrorist up in Orlando knew about his plans to attack the nightclub, she claims, and she didn't try and talk him out of it. NBC News reports that this guy Maytine's uh, wife told the FBI she was with him when he bought the ammo and a holster in preparation for the attack. She also once drove him to the gay nightclub in order to scope it out with him. And despite the fact that she is said to be cooperating with authorities, they're considering filing criminal charges for failing to tell them she knew about this attack ahead of time. Apparently also he attended this gay nightclub in Orlando, where the attack took place, a lot before the attack, he'd used a gay dating and chat app, according to witnesses. L.A. Times reports that Kevin West, a regular at the Pulse Club, 
said that Omar would often message him on and off a year before the shooting using a, a gay chat dating app. I'm, I don't know what any of these things mean. I'm just reading from the news report here. Anyway, at least four regular customers of the polls told the Orlando Sentinel that they believe that they had seen him there before. Some say he would go over in a corner, sit and get drunk by himself. Others said he would get so drunk he was loud and belligerent. One person saw this uh, Matin at the club at least a dozen times. The ex-wife of this guy claimed on Brazilian television she believed he's gay. Anyway, she was married to him in 2009. She believed that he had gay tendency, and his father called him gay in front of her. The FBI asked her not to tell this to the American media. Why is that? In addition, the New York Post reports that the bombshell came as a, a male former classmate said that he had been asked out romantically by this guy, reportedly was a, a virtual regular at the club, having visited it so often. It's relevant because the psychological aspects of all of this, they report if he was in fact gay or had gay tendencies and was also a convert to radical Islam, that would create a tremendous amount of self-hatred since homophobia is uh, an integral part of Islamic extremism. And this is a, a part of radical Islam that has not been focused on sufficiently, and it needs to be. Hillary Clinton takes countries, takes money from countries that kill gays and lesbians and executes them as a matter of law. She doesn't speak out either, just like they treat women like garbage. Doesn't speak out there either. Anyway, Ian uh, Harsey, uh, uh, Hersey Ali, a fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School, has an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. She writes that Muslim homophobia is institutionalized. Many Muslim-majority countries have laws criminalizing and punishing gays and lesbians in line with Islamic Sharia law. And the rise of modern Islamic extremism has worsened the intolerance towards gay people. Anyway, he points out that under Sharia Islamic law, those engaging in same-sex acts can be sentenced to death in nearly a dozen countries. Iran, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Sudan, the northern states of Nigeria, southern parts of Somalia, Indonesia, Afghanistan, Qatar, the UAE, the death penalty in territories in northern Iraq and Syria controlled by ISIS. And she concludes her piece by saying the Orlando massacre is not primarily about guns or immigration. It's about a deeply dangerous ideology infiltrating American society in the guise of religion. Well, it's infiltrated all these countries that Obama sucks up to. It's unbelievable. Alan West once put out this thing, 20 quotes of Barack Hussein Obama about Islam and Muhammad and what he has to say about Christianity in the Bible. Whenever we, whatever we once were, we're no longer a Christian nation. We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation. Given the increasing not, I don't have time to play it all. The sweetest sound I know is the Muslim call to prayer. The future must not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam. We will convey our deep appreciation for the Islamic faith, which has done so much over the centuries to shape the world, including my own country. As a student of history, I also know civilizations dead to Islam. Islam has a proud tradition of tolerance. Islam has always been a part of America. We will encourage more Americans to study in Muslim communities. And he goes on to say, which passages of Scripture should guide our public policy? Should we go with Leviticus, which suggests that slavery is okay, that eating shellfish is an abomination? Or should we go with Deuteronomy, which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith? 
even those who claim the Bibles, uh, talk about the Bible, make distinctions between scriptural edicts, sensing that some passages, the Ten Commandments say, or a belief in Christ's divinity are central to Christian faith, while others are more culturally specific and may be modified to accommodate modern life. The American people intuitively know this. Being out of alignment with my values. When he was asked what the definition of sin is, being out of alignment with my values. In his book, Audacity of Hope, the president said, I'm not willing to have to state I'm not willing to have the state deny American citizens a civil union that confers equal rights, equivalent rights on such basic matters as hospital visitation or health insurance coverage simply because the people they love are the same sex. Nor am I willing to accept the reading of the Bible that considers an obscure line in Romans to be more defining of Christianity than Sermon on the Mount. America is not and never will be at war with Islam. This what there's something pathological now i know many of you have called and written me over the years oh he's a muslim well he went to reverend wright's church for 20 years he did go to a muslim school there's certainly an affinity for a sympathy for a, a, a an unwillingness to recognize the problems the issues of the Islamic faith, especially the practice of Sharia. I'll say it that way. I don't know what's in a person's heart, but this guy, you know, between Hillary Clinton taking money from countries that oppress women, gays, lesbians, Christians and Jews, and him never criticizing them, but always criticizing America, it is beyond odd. Anyway. Um, 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We've got a lot coming up. At the top of the hour, we're going to talk to a whistleblower. This whistleblower was told to erase any information about radical Islamists when Obama became president. All right, before we get back to the big news of the day, and that's the president and an investigative report, we're going to talk to a whistleblower that used to work at the DHS in a second. I've got to remind you of this. I can't believe I didn't get this in in the first hour. Now, we have a report that hackers working for Vladimir Putin have broken into the servers at the Democratic National Committee that they accessed all sorts of sensitive information. By the way, if they can break into the DNC servers, which I've got to presume had a pretty decent security system, it's kind of hard to believe that They didn't break into Hillary Clinton's unsecured server in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom that she lied about. Anyway, putting that aside, Politico reports that the Russian government hackers, that they broke into the computer systems of the DNC. They accessed information about Democratic candidates, a database, and op research on Donald Trump. Now, the Washington Post first reported this on uh, earlier today. The DNC was aware of suspicious activity in April, and within 24 hours of the first signals that someone was something was amiss here, the cyber firm that they brought in, it was installing software to analyze the details of who was responsible. Now, get this. The hackers had access to information for approximately an entire year, but that access apparently was wiped clean last weekend, according to the Post. Now, the security system is critical 
to our operation and to the confidence of the campaigns and state parties we work with, said Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Well, maybe now they'll finally understand why Hillary Clinton having an email server on a mom and pop shop in a bathroom somewhere because she wanted to avoid congressional oversight and the fact that she had top secret information, special access program, which is above top secret. They had satellite imaging. The names of CIA operatives now maybe mean something to them. In other words, they were so upset over Valerie Plame, why wouldn't it matter if Hillary Clinton is exposing CIA operatives? Now, one related story, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange said over the week, Assange over the weekend said he's obtained emails from Hillary Clinton's private server that could lead to her indictment. My question is, does the FBI have these? Anyway, Russia Today reported that we have emails relating to Hillary Clinton which are pending publication, Assange said, uh, when asked if more of the secret emails would be published. About 32,000 of the emails from her private server have now been leaked by WikiLeaks so far. But Assange would not confirm the number of emails or when they're expected to be published. He was speaking via video link from the Ecuadorian embassy in London. He said that that there was enough information here to indict Hillary in those emails. Um... So let's see what Loretta Lynch does. Let's see whether or not the FBI and James Comey come up with a criminal referral. All right, I want to go to a very important story. We're following this now more closely every second of every day because it's really important. Let's go back to the president's speech now. And this all has to do with why did the FBI, with a thousand ongoing investigations into ISIS-related attempts in this country. In other words, there's 1,000-plus ISIS investigations going on in America today in all 50 states. All right, that's troubling. How did the FBI miss the fact that this guy cheered 9-11, the Orlando shooter, that this is a guy that said he was associated with al-Qaeda and Hezbollah, this guy that went to the same mosque where the first American used a suicide bombing vest in Syria? How is it they didn't investigate that mosque further? And when the FBI had him on the watch list for 10 months, why did they ever take him off the watch list? Otherwise, he would never be able to buy guns. Anyway, I want to tell you a story here. This was first reported in, uh, let's see, The Hill. I don't remember the exact date here. But it has to do with our government. Now, anyway, The Hill reported that in 2009, a guy by the name of Philip Haney revealed that the Obama administration ordered his unit to shut down terror investigations on Muslim suspects and destroy the files to make sure that those investigations could not be resurrected if new evidence emerged. In other words, why would the Obama administration do this? Anyway, Philip Haney joins us right now. Sir, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. How long did you work for the Department of Homeland Security? I was a founding member. It began in March of 2003. And I retired honorably July 31st, 2015. Okay. Well, thank you for your service to your country. In 2009, after Obama became president, you were given an order by your superiors at the Department of Homeland Security, I read, to delete, modify several hundred records of people tied to designated Islamic terror groups from the important federal database the Treasury Enforcement Communication System. Is that true? Absolutely correct. And keeping in mind that this all happened 
after the November 2008 Holy Land Foundation trial verdicts that proved irrefutably that these organizations and individuals had direct ties to support of Hamas, a globally designated terrorist organization. Now explain what these records are that they were asking you to delete, and what was your thought when you were given that order? We call them lookout records. They are the dots in process. We have a record. We have an individual that may be coming into the country. We have all the most basic information available at the time. And then when we meet him either in primary where you present your passport or take him to what we call secondary, we fill in blank spaces, and we do it by conducting interviews and verifying information. Those records that I was ordered to modify, quote-unquote, were almost all related to the Muslim Brotherhood front groups that were designated in the Holy Land Foundation trial in November. Does that include the unindicted co-conspirator in that case, the group CARE? CARE, Council on American-Islamic Relations, Islamic Society of North America, ISNA, and the North American Islamic Trust, yes, and several other ones as well. Is there evidence that they were funded by groups like Hezbollah, Hamas? Well, it's the other way around. They were raising money here in the United States to provide funding to Hamas. And did we ever track down and, and, and get irrefutable evidence, incontrovertible evidence, that in fact they did that? Yes, that was the 102 verdicts, guilty verdicts of five individuals who were affiliated with the Holy Land Foundation organization in November of 2008. They are all still serving prison times right now. So in a post-9-11 world, let let me see if I have your job description clear. Your job was to help identify people, groups with terror links post-9-11. Is that true? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you can't breathe in your phone. We hear it very loudly, okay? Um, Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Now, you are also quoted as saying that you could have stopped the San Bernardino attack if the feds didn't shut you down. What did did you mean by that? The case is the Tablighi Jamaat Initiative. It was initiated at the National Targeting Center. I worked there on a TDY assignment on that case. In 11 months that the case was active, we had 1,200 law enforcement actions, meaning refusals of entry, cancellations of visas, those kind of things. When I went back to my home port, I did a subcomponent of that same case. 67 records of individuals and organizations were deleted out of the, out of the system by uh, Department of Homeland Security Management. Those 67 records described a a network of mosques and organizations in the United States that was related to the mosque in San Bernardino. So my plausible claim is that we would have either prevented Syed Farouk from traveling because of his affiliation with that mosque, or we would have Mm -hmm. prevented his pending fiancé, Tashveen Malik, from coming into the country and getting a visa in the first place. That's two plausible ways we could have prevented it. You know, I'm listening to you. By the way, you sound like a great patriot, and and don't take this the wrong way. I mean it in a very complimentary way. You sound like a computer genius geek, like you really do your job thoroughly. Am I am I right in describing you that way? I don't mind it. My first career yeah. was an entomologist. Those are yeah. the nerds of all nerds. <laughs> and no, the, but the I mean, you qualities. sound like you're the type of guy we want looking out for us. So let me get the let me put this in terms that I think my audience can understand. 
You helped identify through your hard work, your knowledge, your experience, your computer expertise, you were identifying more than 300 suspected terrorists. You flagged this particular mosque that the California San Bernardino killer, Saeed Farouk, later attended, and a group that his wife associated with. You flagged these things, right? And you're saying yes. it's plausible that the couple's links to these groups would have put Farouk and and Malik on a no-fly list. They would have been denied a U.S. visa, and the people of San Bernardino could have been saved if our government would just have kept records. That's entirely plausible. We're cops. That's our job, yeah. to prevent terrorist attacks. We have to have that attitude. We do our utmost for our country's sake. We put all the wow. pieces into the puzzle. We we assume that it's going to work. Why you know, did they shut? Attitude. Why did they shut you down? They stated plainly in FOIA, Freedom of Information Act documents, that it was concerns over civil rights and civil liberties violation of these individuals that were coming into the country. And by the way, you did this at great personal risk, did you not? I mean, you really truly became a whistleblower. Well. I didn't designate myself as one. Congress did. But, yes, I was investigated nine times during the course of my career. If I had made one misstep, that it would have all been over. And is, was your motive in telling your story to protect the American people because you felt that the government's decision was endangering the American public? Yes, my motive is that I took a vow to protect our country from threat, both foreign and domestic, and I took it very seriously. Wow. And uh I didn't compromise. I maintained my personal integrity and went after the job as I as I signed up to do. I happen to have a talent for doing it, partly on my scientific background. Follow the trail, find the nest. That's I, I got to tell you, uh, Philip. I mean this sincerely, and I know my audience is listening. You are a hero. You really are. I mean, what you what you have done here. When they told you to scrub the files of these people that you had worked so hard to identify. What was your first reaction? Well, I was especially horrified because I was watching the C-SPAN trials of the underwear bomber when Congress said that they were concerned about failure to connect the dots, and I was literally sitting at my workstation removing the dots out of the system. It was very surreal, and it was also personally and professionally traumatizing. In other words, they here you are doing your job. You're connecting the dots. You're trying to save American lives. You're identifying the people that want to bring harm to our country, and you're told to scrub the files. And I'm sitting That's here. Correct. And, and why has your story almost not been told? I mean, is this the first national radio show you've done? Have you I've ever been on television? Videos. Have you been yes, on? I was. No, I got I, I, Megan Kelly on uh, December 10th of 2015 is the first time I went public. Well, I'm going to bring you on my TV show because I think you're a real you're a national treasure in light of what happened in Orlando. Is that an example of something that you think the dots you were putting together could have prevented? Absolutely, because I tied the mosque to St. the Fort Pierce uh, Islamic Center directly back to the same case that was shut down by the U.S. government. The very same mm -hmm. one I worked on it at NTC, the very same one that the mosque in San Bernardino is part of. They're both part of the so same So in other network. words, you, have identif you identified both the San Bernardino mosque and the, the mosque that this Orlando shooter went to as two places we should have been paying very close attention to. 
Yes, I went right up the hierarchy of, of, of uh, related organizations. You have to understand in the Islamic world, everything is about organization, networking, and, organi and groups. I tracked them right through. I did it yesterday, well, maybe Sunday, in three or four hours using open source information, exactly like I used to do when I was active duty, and wow. it didn't take me that long to discover the entire network. Did it you, linked right back to the case. Did you hear the president today and his talk about not using the term radical Islam? Yes. The uh, Department of Homeland Security on June 9th put out their new guidelines, and they say to use or re avoid using offensive terms like Sharia, like Ummah, which means mother or community, and jihad. We're, we're being told by our superiors we can't even use those words at all. What are you doing now with your life? I mean, I assume this probably disrupted your life in a major way. Well, I retired honorably July 31st, uh, 2015, and I'm working in the same field. I did write God. see something say nothing, and it's out on Amazon, and it's doing very well. What's the name of your book? I want to put it up on my website. See something, say nothing. See something, say nothing. Do you feel yes. that this, you know, you talked about taking the pledge to preserve and protect your country very seriously. Do you think the president has not done his duty as it relates to this? Well, I don't know where his sources are, who's advising him, but I can tell you one thing. If I had one or two minutes and I could sit him down in front of a computer screen with the database that we that I used to work in, I could show him irrefutable proof that all these organizations have accumulated derogatory information. It wasn't just me. It was my colleagues. We all worked together. We put it in the system. We did our job. They are overtly or deliberately ignoring it. Unbelievable. Uh, you're a true national treasure and a great hero. Uh, we can't thank you enough for uh, all you've done and what you do for your country. I can't thank you for telling your story enough. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay. We look forward to having you back on the program. Thank you. And let me make a final point. For a while now, the main contribution of some of my friends on the other side of the aisle have made in the fight against ISIL is to criticize this administration and me for not using the phrase radical Islam. That's the key, they tell us. We can't beat ISIL unless we call them radical Islamists. What exactly would using this label accomplish? What exactly would it change? Would it make ISIL less committed to trying to kill Americans? Would it bring in more allies? Is there a military strategy that is served by this? The answer is none of the above. Calling a threat by a different name does not make it go away. This is a political distraction. Since before I was president, I've been clear about how extremist groups have perverted Islam to justify terrorism. As president, I have repeatedly called on our Muslim friends and allies at home and around the world to work with us to reject this twisted interpretation of one of the world's great religions. There's not been a moment in my seven and a half years as president where we have not been able to pursue a strategy because we didn't use the label radical Islam. Not once has an advisor of mine said, man, if we really use that phrase, we're going to turn this whole thing around. Not once. The question isn't that. It's why can't you identify the enemy for what it is? 
you know, this is not this is a president that has no problem talking about the terrible deeds done in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't see Christians strapping bombs on their own children, uh, being promised 72 virgins in heaven if they blow themselves up in in a pizza parlor and kill innocent men, women and children. Why can't you say the words? Why can't you identify the enemy? Imagine in World War II. We don't identify the Nazis for who they are or the or Japan as an enemy, Imperial Japan or Reagan didn't identify the former Soviet Union as the evil empire. You know, why can't this president acknowledge what is so basic, so fundamental and so true? Why does he thread the needle calling them overseas contingency operations and man caused disasters and workplace violence when we know it's radical Islamic terrorism because the president seems to want to appease the same man that, you know, went to this Muslim school and was quoted in the New York Times. And Nicholas Kristof is saying, as he studied Islam, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than the call to prayer at sunset. This president bends over backwards time and time and time again to ignore a fundamental truth. You know, Hillary Clinton takes all of this money. Let's see, nearly $25 million from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, $5 million from the government of Brunei, $5 million from Qatar. These are three countries, by the way, three of them, that actually have the death penalty for people that are gay and lesbian. The death penalty. She takes money from Omam and takes money from the UAE. Well, They don't even address the crime of marital rape. Seriously? So now, and the president now wants to take in Syrian refugees. Well, that's a problem, too. Because James Clapper, the National Director of Intelligence, James Comey, our FBI Director, Michael Steinbeck, our Assistant FBI Director, Mike McCall, the Chairman of the House Homeland Security uh, Committee, General John Allen, Obama's former special envoy to defeat ISIS, have all identified the fact that ISIS will infiltrate the refugee population. And yet, in spite of what his own intelligence officers are telling him, he wants to take in Syrian refugees, and he's willing to gamble with the lives of Americans knowing that it happened in Paris and it happened in France. There's something pathological about a president that cannot recognize a simple truth. He has no problem talking again about the terrible deeds of Christ done in the name of Jesus. I don't know Christians that are out there committing these acts of terror. But he says it again and again and again. Anyway, there are efforts that are being made now. It won't happen if he's president or Hillary's president. A lot of issues in play here. Number one, are we going to build the wall or not build the wall? You either vote for Trump or Hillary. You're either going to accept Syrian refugees or go along with a safe zone and they can live in their own country. We'll pay for the medicine, the food, the baby formula, the cots, the blankets, the water, the supplies, and and even give a military presence to protect people that are victims of, of a civil war. But if we can't vet every person coming in here, and how do you possibly vet whether or not somebody wants to indoctrinate or bring with them or proselytize? Sharia, which they have grown up with, versus those that want freedom. How do you take somebody from a country where all they know is that they tell 
women how to dress, tell women they can't drive, tell women whether they can go to school or work or not, tell women that they need four male eyewitnesses for work. You know, Hillary Clinton takes money from all these countries. She doesn't condemn them. She was shamed this week into mentioning Saudi Arabia, Brunei, and Qatar. She was shamed into it by Donald Trump this week to finally halfway utter the phrase radical Islamist. She didn't say it with any conviction. Now we're going to take in more and more Syrian refugees, knowing that ISIS has pledged and our intelligence community has confirmed that ISIS will penetrate and infiltrate the refugee population. Now, Congressman Brian Babin of Texas, well, he is moving forward with the latest efforts regarding the SAFE Act, which would uh, require all potential refugees to the U.S. from Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Syria, Yemen to be screened and cleared by the FBI director, by the Department of Homeland Security secretary, by the director of national intelligence before they are admitted into the U.S. He joins us along with Ami Horowitz, who is a a documentarian. If you remember, he traveled across the country interviewing people about their opinions on everything from terrorism to Sharia law. He also made the trek. Where did you make the trek from? From Turkey to Greece. Turkey to Greece with the refugees. With on the little rickety raft across the Aegean Sea. And you figured and you found out in the course of you doing this that, in fact, yes, there are radicalized people. Oh, I I, I saw ice. I, with my own eyes, I saw ISIS recruiting people in Turkey. Unbelievable. Well, so it shouldn't surprise us when things like happen in Belgium or France or anywhere else. Not at all. Congressman, tell us what you're trying to do as it relates to these refugees, and why is the president so steadfast to gamble with the lives of the American people when his own intelligence officials, his top officials, warn him again and again that ISIS is going to infiltrate this population like they did in Belgium and like they did in Paris? There's just no question about it, Sean. Great to be with you. Uh, It's, uh, you know, he's so intent on not being Islamophobic, so politically correct that he will not even identify who our enemy is. Those who have declared war on us, and that is uh, radical Islam. There is no question about it. And uh, his political correctness is getting Americans killed. And uh, we looked at all of the different uh, uh, terrorist attacks that we've had, and the common thread through there, uh, through every one of them, is, uh, is radical Islamic terrorism. And so I've, I've introduced this bill. It's been out for a year now. I've got 85 co-sponsors, which would completely suspend and pause our refugee program. Because as you just said, our, our, our intelligence and law enforcement uh, federal agencies are telling us they cannot properly vet these people. It's only common sense that we pause this program until we are absolutely sure that See, we Trump are not is, Trump is dead people. on accurate. Trump was ahead of the curve. Trump was excoriated for saying these things. But Trump is right if we're going to put the safety and security of the American people before political correctness. And by the way, I'm not against helping the Syrian refugees, victims of a civil war. I want to help them. America's America Americans are willing to help them, but we can create a safe zone. We can provide food, water, medicine, baby formula, blankets, cots, and their other needs and a military presence. Why don't we do that? Why can't we help them that way? Well, we are helping them that way because we can help 12 uh, refugees in their neighboring countries uh, for every one that we bring in to the United States. And what what you just said, this is why I am supporting Donald Trump, because he knows the danger that we face. This is a 
clear and present danger uh, to the American people. And that's why we are working hard to see if we can get this uh, to the floor and get it uh, passed here and on, on into the Senate so that they can pass it. All right, let me go back to Ami. I want you to explain again in detail when we were all watching and the world was watching and Obama was telling us these are women and children. You decided to get yourself on a boat, on a raft, a rickety, broken down, dilapidated raft, risk your life with the refugees from Syria that were trying to make their trek over to Europe. Tell us about that experience and what you learned. Like I said, it, it was, so when I when I saw all of these images that CNN and, and all the mainstream media was showing of all these rafts coming in, they're filled with women and children. And that's interesting because when I got there, all you saw were men 15 to 50. I was literally at least 80 percent. So the they people. weren't wait, wait, there weren't women and children. There were you mean, some. There you mean, were some. Before you mean Obama women. lied to us? They're little At, women and children. That's all they are. Absolute and total lie. There's no there's no other way of looking at it. And and like I said, aside from seeing, you know, like I said. ISIS literally recruiting people in front of my face. I spend time with these refugees. I spoke with them. I try to get a sense of where they're coming from. Now, for the most part, these people simply want a better life. They want a better job, and that's great. But if you start asking about their their belief systems, you know, their core belief system, how they view Israel, Jews, America, the West, we gay actually, people. We have a tape of you interviewing people and, you know, people that are in this country that are Muslim and you ask them whether or not they'd prefer Sharia law or American constitutional law. And the shocking answer was the vast majority preferred Sharia, right? Across the board. We got the tape. Let's play it. Is it easy to be Muslim in America? Or is it, or is it hard? It's easy to be Muslim. It's easy to be Muslim. Yeah. Nobody gives you problems. No, it's no problem. And you, you go to school here, obviously? Yeah. And do the kids, are they good to you? Are they nice to you? Are they, is, it, is, it a tough, is it tough? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not tough at all. It's not tough at all? No. This is a free country. That's the beauty of it. So we love America. I mean, you know, it's a great country. Freedom of speech, freedom of choice of your religion. Right. So we don't have any issues. Do you feel more comfortable living under American law, or do you feel more comfortable living under uh, Sharia law? Uh, Sharia law. I'm a Muslim. I prefer Sharia law. Right. Sharia law, yes. You prefer uh, Sharia law over American law? Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. And do you find most of your friends uh, say feel the same way? Yeah, of course. If you're Muslim, yeah. yeah. Sharia law it says if you steal something, they cut off your hand. So basically, they can leave their doors, their stores, doors open. Nobody's gonna steal anything because the Sharia is so tight. Usually, that they don't do anything. The smallest things usually have big consequences. He Time. can make his daughter marry somebody. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. He has the authority, you know? The authority to do that. Yeah, to do that, yeah. So here, how young do you think it's okay? So, uh, yeah, 15. All right, we get the point. How many people said Sharia versus American law, constitutional law? Every single person. Everyone. There was about 20, And they, they, none of them said that they were treated poorly in this country in no, any way. No, 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 no. That was a great setup. And by the way, to, you know, to show you how shocking this video was, Fareed Zakaria put this in one of his uh, documentaries. He's an the, idiot. I don't know. Well, listen, but he, but he did understand the problem. is so immense. He highlighted this video in his documentary. But, you know, I think what we have to understand is uh, put aside my anecdotes, right? Put aside my crossing over, spending time with refugees, spending time across France and Germany. The Pew poll came out with a, with a poll about views of the, Arab, the Islamic world on ISIS. And across the Islamic world they interviewed, only 60% had an unfavorable view of ISIS. Unbelievable. All right. That's it. 
All right. So let me ask you, Congressman Babin, how many uh, how many co-sponsors do you have to your bill? We have at least 85 and counting. Why why, and why isn't just... it 385? Why isn't well, it, it everybody? Every one of these uh, co-sponsors so far has been a Republican. And uh, the victims of these terrorists and these Islamic terrorists are are Americans here in this in this country. Well, I'm going to say and, this. Uh, I'm going to get Democrats or Republicans. I'm going to give out the Capitol switchboard number. And I would suggest people call and support a Babin's bill. Call, ask for your congressman's office and say, support the SAFE Act. We can help Syrian refugees. We don't have to bring them here. 202-224-3121. Ask for your congressman and say, well, don't put Amer- don't gamble with the lives of the American people. And let's take care of Syrians in Syria. 202-224-3121. Congressman, thank you. Ami Horowitz, good to see you, my friend. Thank, thank you. you. All right, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. When we come back... What is it about the president, Hillary Clinton, that they can't acknowledge radical Islamic terrorism? Uh, what is their pathological obsession, this un- unwilling, this reluctance, this resistance? It's mysterious. It's beyond comprehension in any way, shape, matter, or form. I don't understand it for the life of me. Now, here's a president that has no problem repeatedly speaking out, excoriating the terrible deeds done in the name of Christ. No problem talking about the Crusades. Uh, Well, the Crusades were a response to Muslim aggression and Christian lands that were stolen from them. But, of course, don't let facts of history get in the way of a good talking point. I'm going to tell you here's a truth that very few people will tell you. We have radical Islamists that are now dedicating their lives to killing us. We have a president that when it comes to... Radical Islam seems pathological. His, his This mysterious and reluctant resistance to identify an enemy that is hell-bent on killing us, that have no problem strapping bombs on their own children, promising them 72 virgins uh, when they meet Allah in the afterlife. This president has gone out. When is this president given a speech? The guy that says he's pro-minority, pro freedom of religion, pro-women's rights, pro-gay rights. When has the president spoken out about Saudi Arabia? When has this president ever spoken about out about Brunei or Qatar, where, by the way, in all three of those locations, they allow the execution of gays and lesbians? In other words, the death penalty, if you're involved in homosexual conduct, Saudi Arabia, Brunei, parts of Nigeria, The president has been a coward in speaking out against radical Islam. We're talking not about a small percentage of people. We're talking about complete and full oppression of women, minorities, gays, lesbians, people of the Jewish faith, people of the Christian faith, people of any other faith. Good luck in Saudi Arabia building a temple. Good luck in Saudi Arabia building a Catholic church. Good luck in Saudi Arabia building a Christian uh, uh, church in, 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 in the kingdom of the Saudis. It's not going to happen. And he never speaks up about how radicalized and how so much oppression is going on. And in the case of women and gays and lesbians and Christians and Jews, how there is outright oppression in the case of women's slavery to this, you know, back dark ages mentality of radical Islamists. 
Sharia oppresses women. Sharia in these countries says women must listen to a man on how they are to dress. And if they don't dress that way, there are dire consequences for those women. Women in Saudi Arabia can't drive. Women in many of these countries under Sharia are told whether they can go to school, given permission if they can go to work. In many cases, if they are raped, they need four male eyewitnesses. We're talking about millions of human beings on this earth living under oppression, and this president never has the courage, the backbone, the spine to speak out on behalf of women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews, and defend them, ever. It is a cowardly act. And to call him out and say that, oh, he'll, he's free to criticize the terrible deeds done in the name of Christ, but not talk about Sharia law. And I'll tell you who's even worse. Hillary Clinton is worse. Hillary Clinton is bought and paid for by countries that oppress women, gays, lesbians, Jews, and Christians. She took nearly 25 or $25 million from the Saudis. She took $25 million from the government of Brunei. She took, I'm sorry, $5 million from the government of Brunei, $5 million from Qatar. She took $5 million from the UAE. She took $5 million from Oman. We got Kuwait and a bunch of other countries in there. Now, in the case of Saudi Arabia, Brunei, and Qatar, there is the death penalty if you are gay and lesbian. She says she represents gay and lesbian rights. And in the case of the UAE and Saudi Arabia and Oman, well, guess what? They don't ban, you know, in Oman, female mutilation. In the UAE, they do not address something called marital rape. You know, the president gives $150 billion dollars to the number one state sponsor of terrorism. What does he think they're going to do with that money? Now, I know that he was influenced as a young child because he was in Jakarta and he went to a Muslim school and in a first rate accent, according to Nicholas Kristof of the New York Times, you know, talked about the most beautiful sight he'd ever seen in the world is the call to Muslim prayer at sunset. This has certainly twisted his worldview. Because now it's pathological. Now lives are being put in danger. Now he wants to bring in Syrian refugees, even though our own intelligence committee said that ISIS will infiltrate that population. You know, the most beautiful sound in the world is the call to prayer at sunset. Joining us now, Pam Geller and Robert Spencer. By the way, they're authors of the post-American presidency, Obama's War on America, and Stop the Islamization of America. Welcome both of you to the program You know, Pam, I don't know what to say anymore. You have millions of women oppressed, gays and lesbians being thrown off buildings and stoned to death, and he never speaks out against these countries. And Hillary, well, they bought her silence with millions of dollars as she takes all of this money from oppressor countries. And I'm just trying to understand, where is the women's groups angry at Hillary? Where are the gay and lesbian groups? You know, I get more criticism. Oh, Sean Hannity doesn't support changing the definition of marriage. Well, Sean Hannity's been the loudest voice standing up for gays and lesbians being murdered. It's unbelievable to me. Pam. Well, you know, with, with Hillary, it's more corruption. With President Obama, it's ideological. I mean, he says that the killer was inspired by perversions of Islam. Perverted in, in what way? Muhammad said to put gays to death. So how did Omar Mateen not obey Muhammad? But isn't that, is that directly out of the Quran or is that out of Sharia? 
Well, that's hadith. That's, hadith Muhammad, right. that, that's what Muhammad said. It's what Muhammad said, and it's what the, the imam at the Orlando Mosque in April preached, that it's compassionate to kill gays. This is under Islam. It's not just ISIS throwing gays off the roof. It's across the Muslim world. Muslims well, that's are, what I'm uh, saying. In these Muslim countries, under their system of law, Sharia, this is what I'm describing is happening. Yeah. When Obama says that we need to do some soul-searching, we, the victims, why, why do we have to soul-search? Why does he blame us? Why does he, give, why does he hate Americans and give a free pass to devout savages? The Islamic world has to do some soul-searching. Yeah, but he you're a, hom- you're a homophobe. That. It's you. You're the problem. Now, well, imagine, imagine uh, are they Christian phobes in Saudi Arabia because they won't allow... Uh, Christian church to be built? Are they uh, are they anti-Semitic because they won't allow a Jewish temple to be built? Yes, there is creed apartheid, gender apartheid, um, Islamic Jew hatred in Islam. This is a fact, but he never calls on any self-reflection in the Muslim world. What calls me in the wake of this unimaginable ghastly slaughter is the post-jihad denial. These attacks present a unique opportunity for Islamic supremacists and jihadis. First, the kill, which is a great victory in the cause of Islam. The successful jihad attack attracts more Muslims and converts to the cause. And then secondly, and most importantly, terrorized groups like CARE, their lapdogs in the enemy media, and pro-Islam politicians like President Obama use the slaughter to push to prophetize, to lie, deceive, and talk, 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 talk about Islam while denigrating all other religions on every major media news channel. It's not just... I I just don't understand. I I don't understand this, Robert. You know, if if somebody talks about radical Islam, they are condemned. If Sean Hannity or Pam Geller or Robert Spencer point out life for women, life for gays and lesbians, life for Christians, life for Jews in any of these countries, which is bureaucratic, systematic discrimination and oppression in the case of women and and gays and lesbians, uh, somehow we are, are the bigoted people. Why is that? I think that these people have all bought into the victimhood narrative to such a degree that they cannot step out of their, their, their box even long enough to realize that they're betraying their own principles. The quintessential example of this was when Pamela Geller and I put ads on the buses in San Francisco, quoting, uh, quoting Muslim leaders saying that gays should be put to death in the gay capital of the United States. And the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the city council there, issued a condemnation not of the Sharia mistreatment of gays and the persecution of gays under Islamic law, but of the ad. For we were the bad guys for pointing it out. Pamela Geller was at fault for trying to call attention to the plight of gays in the Islamic world. It's insane. It really is insane. All right. So politically speaking, what do you think of the president? attacking Trump today and trying to explain away why he won't say radical Islam. His explanation was completely incoherent. He says that uh, he's not going to validate them, that they're looking for, to us to validate them. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State are not looking to non-Muslim leaders to validate their Islam. They, uh, no Muslim says, oh, Barack Obama and John Kerry says they're not Islamic, so I won't join Al-Qaeda. It's a ridiculous scenario. In reality, he is only, he's not recognizing the nature of the problem, and he is uh, making 
it impossible for our government and law enforcement authorities to deal with this problem realistically because he's banned any mention of Islam and jihad from counter-terror training or analysis. And so these agents are trying to go out and deal with jihadis, and they don't have any idea what jihad is all about, so they don't know what to look for and don't know how to evaluate what they do find. Yeah. And, you know, look at all the signs that were missed in the case of this guy that was responsible for these killings. I mean, it's unbelievable how we miss everything out of political correctness. But, guys, i got to let you both go. I really appreciate uh, your hard work, and I'm sure we'll all be attacked today. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm standing up for the rights of women, gays and lesbians, freedom of religion. That doesn't exist in these Muslim countries. So tired of this president being gutless and Hillary being exploitive and and capitalizing uh, on the wealth of these countries. Makes me sick in a lot of ways. Really unbelievable. Ayman is in Colorado, apparently is an imam. What's up, Ayman? How are you? Hi, Sean. How you doing? Do you have your own uh, mosque that you're an imam at? Yes. Okay. What's on your mind today? So, um, well, I I just want to ask, have you had um, an imam telling you before that they actually like listening to you no. i listen to you every day sean thank you and um i i really do and i i think we have a lot more in common than you know what we believe um it, i i think no listen uh, even let me just say something even louis farrakhan who i think is a racist and anti-semite when he talks about individual responsibility building your own business being good fathers to your children good husbands to your wives that's all stuff Hannity agrees with, but it's when he goes off on you know, the gutter religion of Judaism that he and I part ways. When he goes off on, you know, the white man is the is is the devil, then he loses me there too. Absolutely, and I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, I I you know, I'm from a Syrian origin, and I tell you that um, my family is is a direct victim of ISIS. They have killed many of my cousins. They were slaughtered by these by the hands of these criminals. And I think the last thing, Sean, as a country, is is I mean, there are more probably Muslim victims by these you know vicious terrorist groups. And I and I and I call them by that. That is the truth. They are terrorists. That is that know? they're radical and, Islamic and, and, terrorists. That's correct. Um, it, it, the thing is, Sean, is is what. Islam does not really preach what these people these people have political agendas. These people are in my in my firm belief that they they're actually a form of atheists who Well who then why does got, the Quran you know, say what is the I've read the Quran. I've read the hadith. Right. I've learned I've studied right. the life of Muhammad. Ask me answer me that right. why does it say take neither Christians or Jews for your friends? Why does it talk about jihad and holy war? And why does it talk about infidels as much as it does? And why was Muhammad in his own personal life a warrior? And why did he marry girls that weren't even 10 years old? Well, um, Sean, I mean, these are, these are big intellectual discussions. It's not that intellectual. Why does, he, why does he say take neither Christians or Jews for your friends? I don't say that about Islam. Of course not. If you actually, there is another verse in the Quran, God says, God says that he does not forbid you from being... Kind. Being from Syria, Sean, we lived side by side, you know, for the longest time. But I mean, I'm giving you a you specific quote a from the Quran. I'm giving you specific right, words but, of Muhammad. And I, and I give you another I give you another quote in the Quran where God says he does not forbid you from being friends and and being kind and nice to those okay. who are 
who who are different from your basically he's talking about Christian Do Jews, you acknowledge that there are millions and millions of women and gays and lesbians and Christians and Jews you know look at the countries that Hillary took money from Saudi Arabia the government of Brunei Qatar Oman UAE all these Kuwait and others they took all millions and millions and millions of dollars from countries that oppress women, true or false? Um, you know, um, I, I I tell you, true or false. Wait, wait a minute, you're an imam. True or false? Sure. Under Sharia, these women are oppressed. That's that's completely false. Oh really? Women are told how to dress in Saudi Arabia. Is that oppressive? Um, um, Sean. Um, answer the question. If you just give me a, give me a second to talk. Women are will, told they can't. Women are told how to dress. Is that oppressive? Well, um, Saudi Arabia does not represent Islam. If okay. We're talking about Islam. All right. Let's talk uh, about. You want to talk John, about the government the, of Brunei or Qatar? Because the, the, they all, all three of those countries. Am, al- excuse familiar. me. I'm, I'm all American. three of those countries allow the execution of gays, lesbians, and bisexuals. Is that is that oppressive? Because. We, we don't All three of those Muslim countries under Sharia allow the execution of gays. Is that oppressive? We, uh, Sean, we live in American Islam, and and we have our uh, version of American. I, did I ask Islam, you that? We I'm, I, I am saying that there we, are. Wait a minute. Millions of women, gays and lesbians, Christians and Jews are oppressed in Muslim countries. I'm asking you if you will acknowledge a truth. That under Islam, in Islamic countries and under Sharia, women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews are oppressed. Is that true? Um, I don't really see any country in the world right now that actually truly represents Islam. They're, they're, okay. I mean, Arabia does not. Okay. Um, isn't is, isn't, is, Sharia, is, is Sharia considered Islamic they're law? They're all dictators, Sean. They're okay. All is Sharia... Is it a Muslim country, and do they live under Sharia Muslim law? Um, there is there is no Muslim law. You know what, I'm on. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I have you nailed so deep in a corner, you can't get out, and that's the problem. You can't speak a simple truth that if women are told by men how to dress, if women are told they can't drive a car, if women are told whether they can go to school or if they can go to work, if women must be accompanied by a male relative, if women need four male eyewitnesses, if these countries allow gays and lesbians to be executed, if you can't build a temple and you can't build a Christian church, yes, that's oppression. Why can't you admit it? I'm sorry. I, uh, the, the, uh, Sean, I called about a verse that you brought up. I asked you a question. Why can't you admit that in Muslim countries under Sharia, so, so know, wait a minute, so many people are oppressed, and you don't have the courage, Imam, to speak out. Why? This is where, to me, I have you cornered, Sean, because you refuse to. Why to can't you admit that? Or, well, why, why can't I, you admit in Muslim countries, women, gays, Christians, and Jews are oppressed? Islamic law in any Muslim countries, they're all dictators. There are there are supported by 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 
unfortunately, and Islam is the foundation of their law. It's called Sharia. Is that not true? Uh, there is, there is absolutely no country in the world that implements Sharia. Uh, oh, there really? Is absolutely no country in the world, sir. That you could not, Sharia. sir. But that's this is wrong. not what I called for. Sean. You know, of course this it's not because not you don't I... want to deal with a fundamental truth, and that is that there is bigotry and there is persecution under Islam. And that people are being killed in the name of radical Islam and a, and a literal interpretation of the Quran. Now, I'm not saying I'm saying a lot of those people want to be free. I understand that. I'm not saying all Muslims, but I'm saying under the control of Islamic countries, oppression is standard operating procedure. Anyway, uh, which line do you want me to go to? Bill from New York. Bill wants stay right there. Say hi to Iman in Colorado. Iman, say hi to Bill. How are you, sir? Sean, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Say hi to Iman. How are you, Iman? My name is Bill McGrory. I'm doing all right, thanks. Yeah. You know, I, I respect the fact that you are coming out and willing to call it what it is, you know, radical Islam. But, you know, I work over in those countries that we're talking about, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Oman. And out of those countries, there is Sharia law. And women are oppressed. They're told what to wear. They're told what to do. They're can we told they can't drive law, cars. Maybe? Can we call it Bedouin law? Bedouin, Bedouin law, but is. Sharia law is also law. enacted. Is also enacted in those countries. I witnessed it. I worked there for the past three years, and the UAE is the most progressive out of all those countries. It is the most progressive, where they allow homosexuality in certain aspects. But when you go to the other countries. People, if they're homosexual, <coughs> Christians, they are oppressed. They're not allowed to speak their mind. They're not allowed to do what they want and to do. And by the way, it even gets worse than that. In Omam, for example, there's no ban on female mutilation. The UAE no. does not address, nor does Saudi Arabia, acknowledge spousal rape. You need four no. male eyewitnesses to prove rape if you're a woman in many of these countries. And here, I'm laying, out, I'm laying out to the imam here. All this oppression, and you don't have the guts to speak up. Why don't you have the courage to speak up and say, under, uh, you, you, Sean, why don't you speak, speak up, up as a moderate up, Muslim and say the literal interpretation of the Quran is hijacking the religion and radical Islamists are using the Quran to, to commit terrible, horrible, murderous, oppressive deeds? Why don't you just say that? Because it's the truth. Sean, when we promote these divisive... Um, you won't uh, say it. Well, you uh, won't uh, say it, will you? You won't say it. You won't acknowledge it. You're like Obama. You won't say radical mm -hmm. Islam. Sean, I, I will say radical Islam. I tell you, thi this radical Islam is the enemy of Islam. So is Saudi Arabia... Is, 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 is Saudi Arabia, Brunei, Qatar, Oman, the UAE, Kuwait, are these countries that oppress women, gays, Christians, and Jews? Yes or no? They um, they oppress Christians and Jews. Uh, certainly, I can tell you from where. And what about you know, women? I'm from I, I don't you, know about these. You countries. don't find it. I, you you know, don't find. Do you think you should have the right? To, you have, are you are you married? I am, and I have four kids. And All right, are you married? Man, do you do you do you yeah. think you as a man do you have the right to tell your wife what to wear? Um, I can. You know, uh, uh, marriage is something. I didn't ask uh, you. Do you have the right to tell and, your wife what to wear every day? Um, I don't know. No, I don't. Do, do, and and she no? doesn't. And and but sometimes she she won't let me get out of the house if I'm dressed in a certain way. Okay, here's the you next know, question: she, Do yeah, you? My wife was like, does hey, your no, wife drive? Does your wife drive a car? 
Absolutely. Well, good thing she doesn't live in well, Saudi God, Arabia. My sister is a, is a, And does your, is your does your wife have a choice if she wants to work or go to school? Absolutely. And what if your children turned out to be gay? You know, I'll do what God did. He called, he advised, in the stories in the Bible, he, he reminded. Yeah. God sent messengers to remind people and tell them that. Okay, you're going to you remind know, your kid not a, to be gay? Is that what you're saying? Right you're going to remind, you're yes. going to say, you're going to say your kids are on the wrong path. To and me, this is a sin. Yeah, oh, I mean. It, okay, listen, I'm not, I'm not in, criticizing that. But, but, but it's a good, but if your kids were gay, it's a good thing they're not in, in some of these countries. You know why? Because they'd be thrown off a rooftop. You know why? Because they'd be beaten. You know why? Because they'd be put to death and executed under the, under, uh, under the banner of Islam. That is absolutely true, Sean. You've seen this bill, right? Yes, I have. And, you know, Sean, the first step that we need to take as a country in combating this terrorism that is at our doorstep, it's on our soil, is people like this, the imams of, the country, of this country, to come out and denounce what is going on. And it is not happening. It is not happening. If I could just say one thing, Sean, when I'm over in these countries, people who are on our side, who respect the U.S., who want to help us in combating terrorism, when you get into deep ideology conversations with them, they revert back to Israel is the root of all problems, homosexuals, homosexuals should be killed, and these are educated, intellectual people that are on our side. And if they're thinking like that, we, it's going to be a long road for us to combat what's going on in this country and around this world. It's so sad to say that. You know, and this is the problem with the refugees, if you grow up and you think you have the right to do these things to women and gays and lesbians and and you think Christianity is wrong and you're anti-Semitic, some people, you know, grow up under Sharia. And I know many are not, but I'm saying those that grow up and are indoctrinated into this. Mm-hmm. How do we know when we're taking people in whether or not they want freedom or if they want a theocracy here? You can never tell. So, Sean, what really thought. I'm sorry, but what really makes me as a proud American is that is that in this country, you can, you can have the freedom to be whatever you want to be. You can be an atheist, you can be a Christian. But in Muslim, Muslim countries, you, you you're, in many Muslim countries, you're not afforded that freedom, Imam. And I and one of the problems I, I really have with this conversation with you is that you don't have the courage to speak out and defend women's rights, to defend gays I and do. lesbians from being killed, from men telling yeah, women whether they can I drive did. or go I, to school and what it. to wear. This is absolutely no, wrong. What you've this been, guy did... I know what this guy did is wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about life under Sharia in Muslim countries. It is oppressive. It is discriminatory. It is bigoted. And it is widespread. And there's not enough voices speaking out in defense of women, in defense of gays and lesbians. Here's Sean Hannity, the conservative, saying this is an atrocity and an evil in our time. And in defense of why can't we build a Christian church in Saudi Arabia if people want to build one? Why, why is Hillary taking $25 million from the Saudis and $5 million from Brunei, $5 million from Qatar, $5 million from Oman, UAE and Kuwait and all these other countries? It's unbelievable to me. What a phony hypocrite. What a bunch of cowardly, gutless politicians not speaking out in defense of people that are oppressed. There is oppression, Imam. When you recognize it, you may want to call us back. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. 
Now comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they have supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Now, Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. Now, he was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Now, Tunnel to Towers paid for Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, and that removed that financial burden from him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his very specific needs and injuries. And Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. They can only do it with your generosity. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity. Go to their website, commit to $11 a month, Go to the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. 